Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Chat About Death. There we go again, just for the sake of it. Yeah, let's chat about death. Let's just fade that out now. We're joined by another very, very special person, uh, Robin O'Connell, which is a funeral and wedding celebrant, also a author, uh, a founder of a charity called Rebecca Jane Foundation, and also a funeral trainer and a general, uh, just all really good chick, really. <laughs> um, so let's put our hands together for Robin. Yay. Woohoo. Yay, 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 yay. See, that's me. That's my sound effects for today. Lovely. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'll just let you know that I paid him a lot of money to say those good things about me. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the piece of paper. I said, oh, I just need to need another sip of water for the amount of titles that you have. But that's beautiful. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about obviously your your career as, um, you know, through becoming a funeral celebrant and obviously being an author um, in regards to writing the children's book and, and other things that you've done too. Um what made you get into being into funerals? Like, what was it? So, my daughter Rebecca died when I was 25. And I, you know, as many do, I went into fundraising. I went into learned grief counselling. I did all that sort of stuff. But when, when I did grief counselling, I found that it was really hard to let go of the families when they didn't... I was still worrying about them. Mm. I just couldn't kind of let go. So I got really interested in grief education and teaching people how to deal with people in grief. Um, but, you know, there, there was limited services around at that time and I did start a company called Death and Bereavement Information Services. Right. And at that time, remember when... This is going back a long time now. Remember when companies had to do professional development yes, for their... Yes. I can't remember what it was called, but they had to do that. So I started this and started working in hospitals and stuff like that, trying to teach people about death because yeah. I love things about death. So yeah. I just... That's um, why you're on here. <laughs> I know. And I love talking about yeah. death. You know, yeah. I'm the sort that you want at a dinner party. Yeah, that's right. You know, kill the conversation <laughs> straight away. What do you do? Oh, I'm a funeral yeah. celebrant. Yeah. Send you're Robin in. Send her in. <laughs> <laughs> you're a what? Yeah. yeah. And, and it leads yeah. to three responses. Yeah. First is... They'll immediately change the subject. <laughs> like I work for the tax department yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, the second one is that they ask you all those questions that they've always wanted to ask. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you're six foot six and they make coffins six foot, how do they fit in? Um, or the, the most common, and I would say probably 90% of responses are, my mum just died last year. And then they go on to a big story yeah. about, yeah. because they know that I'm happy to listen. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk to them about death and suddenly they've got this open ear. So sometimes when I'm travelling and I sit down to next someone on the plane and they say, what do you do? I say, I'm a secretary. <laughs> because I know yeah, that it's just yeah. going to lead to this conversation. And, That's you know, right. sometimes yeah. if I'm on my way to go on holidays, 
I don't want to think about work. So no, I just like no. go, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. so I'm a secretary. I'm a taxidermist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, that would lead no, to a whole that's, lot that's of more right. questions like, and stuff like that. <laughs> so, um, so I was looking for something where I could still use the skills that I had as a grief mm. counsellor. Um, but I, I don't mind talking in case you yeah. haven't gathered. <laughs> and I love telling stories. So yeah. this, you know, celebrancy seemed to be the perfect. Yeah. I remember uh, ringing a certain association, uh, a celebrant association, and somebody answered the phone and I said, you know, I wanted to inquire about joining you mm. as a funeral celebrant. And he went into this tirade <laughs> about... Oh no! You'll never get work. You'll never you'll, you'll never be able to yeah, make I've a living that, out of yeah, it. Nah. You know you're gonna you're gonna yeah. get, you know this person's gonna move and then they're not gonna use you and then new people come in and they don't know you and da, 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 da. and I went oh my god if that's encouraging me to, <laughs> to join an association I don't uh, think no, I want no, to no no. So I just went, uh, okay, thanks very much. Yeah. I thought, oh, I'll just do this out on my own, you yeah. know. So I just went. So in in amongst all this, my aunt died. And uh, the funeral was down at a, a morning peninsula in Victoria. And um, they didn't have any money. So I said to them, look, I'll, I'll do the service for you. Yeah. And um, so I... I wrote this service, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I kind of like, you know, done a fair bit of research and went, okay, I can do this. So I did it and at the end of it, mm-hmm. I felt fantastic. Yeah. Like yeah. I felt fantastic. And I remember my cousin coming up to me sobbing in my arms and I'm like going, I feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I've just done. And I'm just like, I'm so embarrassed because I'm feeling like yeah. really pumped. Yeah. And the funeral director said to me, Give me your card. I'd loved what you did. Give me your card. And I said, I don't have one. I'm not actually a celebrant. I'm I'm thinking about it, but I I haven't actually done anything yet. And she said, as soon as you do, bring your cards down to me and we will use you. Yeah. So I'm like, I go away. I'm really pumped. I'm going to do this and everything. Do you know to this day I've never done a funeral (laughs) at that funeral company again? But I believe in the universe and the universe opened the door for me and said – you know, I, I can do that. So just off air a little while ago, we were talking about a beautiful, beautiful woman uh, called Margaret McLean and yeah. she was the one who gave me my first funeral. Yeah. And she was just an amazing woman oh, and, uh, you know, a, a gorgeous person in the industry and, and really did so much for new and up-and-coming mm. celebrants, you know. And uh, Marg and I became good friends and, and it was just fantastic. So I did my my first funeral and again I came out like going, oh, this is, you know, I felt like I had made a difference. You know, I felt like I, you know, and she said to me, you'll be good. 20 years later, (laughs) I'm still doing it. So, you know, the the difference in those two people and I so want to go to that bloke because that bloke's still around. I so want to go to him and and tap him and say, do you know who I am? Because, yeah, I'm fairly well known in the industry. Do you know who I am? I'm the person that you told would never make it and that you never make a living out of it. Well, let me tell you, for 20 years I've made a very nice living out of it. And it it must be that, yeah, maybe maybe he doesn't get any work or not much of it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and having an attitude like that, you're not going to. You're not you know, going to. No, you know, no. it's it's something 
you know, people don't realise, you know, when I, I, as you said, I train funeral celebrants and I've, I used to do a six-day intensive training uh, so they lived, eat and breathed funerals for six days. I can't do it anymore. I'm just too old. Yeah. I, can't, yeah. I can't do that sort of thing. I am looking at an online one but uh, I'm not. I'm certainly not doing that six days of 16 days, oh, no, days no, no, a day. No, no, you know, no, I'm no. too old. So... Um, but I say to them, you know, this is not a money-making thing. You're not not ever going to be rich. If you no. really want to do it well, you're not ever going to be rich. Yeah. But you'll be rich in ways that you can't ever imagine. Oh, to tell to tell someone's story and even at the end of the funeral, you don't always expect any praise or thanks. Sometimes it's just the nod or the, you know, tear yeah. in the eye or but when you do get that, you know, that was the most beautiful service I've ever heard or you know, I often, um, as a funeral celebrant too, I find that if people can walk away from that knowing something that they didn't when they first walked in the door, then we've told the story. Like you're not going to yeah. be able to sit there, as you know, and talk for, for days on his life. But if you can give that overview, but it's it's got a little bit of character to it. It's, it's showing the essence of yeah. the person. I mean, anyone can get up there, as you know, and read. Blah 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 yep. blah blah, but it's got no no connection, no no feel to it. Um, and I like connecting, and yes. you do too. You're you're you connect with your audience very very well, um, and that's why twenty years in the business you you should have yes <laughs> connecting with you. But you know, um, what do you think has been the hardest thing in in funerals? Like what what do you what do you find as a celebrant has been the hardest? Is it trying to get information out of people or is it, you know, the is there a certain age group that you struggle with? Um, for me, uh, my House of Americans said I could join the United Nations. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. It's negotiating families so that they all get heard when yeah. you've got, you know, because you've got so many different types of families these days. Yeah. You don't, you know, when I started even 20 years ago, mm. you know, it, it was kind of almost every second one that was, you know, either a second marriage or whatever or anything like that. Yeah. Um, now it's it's unusual to have a – they were married for 61 years or whatever. Oh, yeah, so different. You know, it's, it's only that older generation that, yeah. that has got that. You know, so I, I find that part difficult of negotiating to make sure that everybody's happy. You and know, having the split in families too. Yes. Like, you know, mum and dad are split so there might be two kids with them and yep. and now we've got the, the new wife and – or new wife could have been like 15 years but then they've had children. That's right. And But the first ones are saying, well, I was here first. Yes. You know, like, yeah, negotiating. Yep. It's, it's that negotiation and, you know, often I've spoken to someone on the phone so my husband's heard one side of the conversation oh, and yeah. then I'll say, look, I'll, I'll ring the other person and then when I've spoken to the other person I've kind of changed it and massaged it yeah. and everything yeah. so that yeah. I've tried to get them come around to kind of almost thinking it was their idea. Yeah. Um, and, and so – but the main thing I think is that people just want to be heard. Yeah. So sometimes sure. I can sit with a family – and there'll be one member of the family who might not open their mouth for the whole time. No. You know, and when I get up there and I say it was just as much the unspoken word as the spoken word that said volumes about the love that surrounded yeah. Joan, 
And and you see that person's body rise yeah. because they feel like they have been heard. That's it, yeah. And that's – I think we all fundamentally want to tell our story. They say we have to tell our story 30 times before it actually gets integrated into yeah. us. So that's why people will go and tell the same story all the time about the brief person. Yeah. So you'll hear the same things over and over again. It's their way of, you know, melding it into their their DNA. Mm. So to speak, you know. So, so that's always challenging. When when I started, I was uh, I think I was forty seven, forty six yeah. or forty seven, and I used to think that um, anyone over sort of sixty had had a decent <laughs> life. Now that I'm sixty seven, <laughs> um, so they say that whatever uh, your age is plus twenty years is what yeah. you will think is getting older. Yeah. So now that I'm 67, all of a sudden people in their late 80s seem old to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, not the person in their 70s. No. And I, you know, uh, a friend of mine was uh, had a little accident. It was in the in the uh, uh, on the news, mm-hmm. and she's two years younger than me. And they said an elderly woman, <laughs> <laughs> right? And she rang me yeah, and she yeah. said, oh, oh my, my God, God, can you believe yeah, that they not, called me Not the me story about elderly. the accident, but, yeah, now I'm elderly. You know, I'm an elderly <laughs> woman, you know, like it made me sound like I was this yeah, frail yeah. old thing, you know. So, but given the reporter was probably about 20. Yeah, that's right. 65 was elderly, <laughs> you know. So so they say it's around that 20. So, so when I started, I kind of used to think, well, anyone who's kind of like older than me, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, the younger they get, the harder they get. Yeah. I remember it was about two years into my funeral celebrancy that I was asked to do my first baby's funeral. Yeah. And because funeral directors want to know that you're capable, that you're, you know, they, they have to have that confidence in you. Yeah. And so the funeral director rang me and said, look, you can say no because he knew I was a brief parent, so he didn't mm. know kind of how, how that would go. And would you believe the first baby funeral that I did was somebody's little girl who was exactly the same age as my daughter. Oh, wow. Like exactly. Yeah. Nine months, three weeks and five days. Oh, right? Yeah. Like to yeah. the day. Yeah. She died from SIDS, which was what my daughter died from. Yeah. And I remember walking into that home... And the mum was in a fetal position on the couch. And I said to her, just before we start, I just want to say, and she looked at me and she said, I know you're sorry. Everybody is sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Uh, And I said, actually, no, that's not what I wanted to say. Although, you know, don't think that I'm not. Um, But I just want to say that, this is your time. If if you need me to come back tomorrow or you get halfway through and you want to stop, that's fine. I will do whatever it takes to make it easier for you. I think I was there for about an hour before she actually started talking to me. Oh, wow. And then yeah. I spent the next two hours with her because once she talked to me, because sometimes you just have to spend that yeah. time yeah. to give them the confidence in you. That's right. Build the relationship. Yeah. yeah. And so she just wasn't, you know, she was quite happy for me to talk to her mum who was there, but she yeah. didn't want to talk to me. 
And then eventually the mum started somehow, you know, we started sort of talking about the way. And then she came in, she started talking. Yeah, she started yeah. telling me everything, you know. But you sometimes just have to take that time. Oh, so, for sure. you know, I remember coming out and sitting in my car and going, my head is pounding. <laughs> How am I going to drive home? Yeah. I had a migraine. I remember yeah. stopping on the side of the road and throwing up <laughs> and then got home um, and went to bed, yeah. you know. Um, and I thought, I don't, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to do this service or not. But I remember saying to the, the, the mum, when we get to the graveside, hold on to her. Because I remember standing at my daughter's grave going, you know how you see the Italian movies where oh, they throw, yeah, themselves throw themselves in the grave? In, yeah. I suddenly found myself wanting to do that. And, and when I think about it now, what I was trying to do was to stop her from being against what I saw as the cold, wet earth. Yeah, yeah. Right? It was June, it was cold, you know. Um, and I wanted to lay down and put her on top of me yeah. so that she wouldn't be on the cold earth I would be. Yeah. So I said to the, the mum, you know, when we get to that point, just hold her, yeah. you know. And she did that lunch forward the same yeah. as what I did, except that I was so embarrassed, yeah. you know, once I realised what I was doing. Um, so it's, you know, those sorts of things. So when, you know, but of course... He loved what I did with that baby's mm. funeral and then suddenly other people wanted me to do baby funerals and yeah. and in the end I had to say I cannot do any more than one baby funeral a week. Oh, yeah. It, I just couldn't do it's it. To, it's a totally different, um, yeah, emotionally, physically, everything is just totally different. Yeah. Because you can't, I mean, depends on the age of the baby or the child is... There's only so much that you can talk about, especially if they haven't really had a life as such. No life Ah, but you see, I think you're wrong there. Do you? I think you're wrong. I think, you know, that baby has experienced a, you know, anywhere up to nine months of being, Mm. knowing nothing except unconditional love. Um, Oh, that side, yeah, yeah. that side. But 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 there's there's a story to be told in that of, you know, the mum's experiences and the dad's expectations and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. so, um, and I remember one funeral that I did that it will always remain with me. The mother wrote a story and she wrote a story from the baby's point of view. Aww. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. And in fact, the funeral director that was with me said, I don't know how you got through it. And I said, I read it 25 <laughs> times. Yeah. So I could read it without becoming emotional. But then, you know, I took that concept and adapted it into probably a less confrontational Mm. kind of thing. Um, And, you know, talk talk sometimes, you know, if it's appropriate, about how you think the baby would have seen that time, you know. I, I didn't have any rules. No, I didn't. I had plenty to eat and drink whenever (laughs) I wanted it. You know, I had no, you know, I had total freedom. I didn't have to wear clothes, you know, like, you know, and you can kind of do some stuff with that. So, of course, you develop this reputation and, of course, then everybody starts hearing about, oh, you know, she does amazing baby funerals and suddenly, you know, and I just went, no, I can't do this for my own health. I can never do more than one. And that's a rule that I have stuck by for the last 18 years. So it was two years in. Uh, 18 years I've always stuck by that fact that I can't do more than one baby's funeral no, no, a year. No, and no. even though I do some um, for the Rebecca Jane Foundation, it's it's quite interesting when um, when a baby dies and the 
the they didn't get to birth. Um, often the families will say, I don't want a funeral. Mm. Uh, what the foundation offers is that we will come back later and do a little service in their home for them. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, at the time they don't, it's too overwhelming. Yeah. And then six weeks later they go, oh, I really wish that I had have done something. Yeah. We, we will always do that, you know. So, and as a celebrant I'd do that for any yeah. family. If they decided, no, you know, I didn't want anything for my baby then and then later, you know, I'm a mum. I understand that. Yeah. You know, I understand the shock and everything that you can't think straight. Yeah. So, you know, so I had to kind of temper that and just go, okay, one baby a week is what I... Oh, but yeah. But it's what's really interesting about it was that it was my... I, I charged because... Um, somebody told me once that it's really important to put a value on what you do. Yeah. And so I always charged half my fee. Yeah. But on the way home from doing a baby mm. funeral every time, yeah. I went shopping. And I would spend exactly the amount that I was paid for that funeral. Yeah. And it was like I couldn't accept money for it yeah. so therefore you know yeah. uh, you know yeah. it's just weird things that your brain does you know yeah. i i find it very difficult when anyone i know is mm. having a baby uh, uh, one of my best friends daughters just had a baby and we're both celebrants and he'd done a couple of babies funerals before that and he said why did they come in just now you know and i go yeah. i worry about everyone but what i don't see is the thousands upon thousands of babies who are born healthy every single day. Yeah, yeah. Right? All I see is the ones that don't. That's right. right. Yeah. So for me, I see all the danger but none of the joy. No. And now that this baby is born, I'm like just over the moon. I yeah. was beside myself with joy last <laughs> night when I found out that the baby arrived safely and yeah. Grace is now a new little person in our world. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, it's like when you work in this industry, you, you know, mm. I, I did, because of my background, I did a lot of sudden and unexpected death. Yeah. And so like a lot of people who went into hospital for a simple operation and didn't come out, right? Yeah. So for years, I just refused to go to hospital, you know, yeah. because, you know, the doctor <laughs> says, look, this is a small procedure. Yeah, It'll yeah. only be day surgery. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> because just I Just letting you know you, that 2% die. <laughs> probably not even that, yeah, you know, but, it's like, you, know, you know, you just think, yeah. you know, because we're <laughs> surrounded by it yeah. and I'm getting all of those ones, yeah. you know, that I'm like... Oh my god! I'm going to have an operation. Oh my yeah, god! I know. Oh, and oh, and of course, I can tell you, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of you know my my uh, celebrant journey, and and over that over that twenty years, I've done two and a half thousand wow. uh, funerals. Yeah, and um and I've loved every one of them. Uh, and the day that I heard you say once that um. Something about, uh, you know, coming away from a funeral and feeling good yeah. is what people should do, that that they feel privileged, you feel privileged that they have allowed you to walk that very short journey yeah, with, with them. with them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like would you normally open your door to a complete stranger and tell them about the person that you love the most. Like, you just wouldn't. No, no. And yet we are strangers yeah. on the word of a funeral director who says we're good at what we do. Yeah. 
we are strangers coming into their home and, and often they're telling us, you know, um, not so good things as well. Yeah. You know, oh, that's, that, that that's, was a bit of a thing with Jiggy. And, that's yeah. that's like, a challenge though. How, that, how, do you, how do you write someone, how do you write a story about someone and we're only going by what we get told by a child or whatever or their children I should say or even a niece or you know, oh, this was my experience, but he didn't love anyone, and he he was a bit of a pig when he did this, and yeah, it, it is certainly a um a different a different way of being able to put a story together, and especially if they don't provide any information. But the, the opposite is true too. When they don't, you know, mm. as soon as they start to say something difficult, everybody goes, no, no, we won't talk about that. Yeah, and I go, please talk about it. I might not use it, but no. please talk about it because if you don't. Then you sit there like I did at my father's funeral going, who in the hell are they talking about? Yeah. The devil incarnate had yeah. become a saint just by dying. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. you know, my father's funeral was – now, I don't blame the minister who did it because he could only go by mm. the the facts yeah. that he'd been given and I wasn't involved in it. Yeah. But, like, you know, I sat there going, give me the bucket, please give me the bucket, you know. And yeah. so that's kind of always made me try and delve that little bit more and sort of, you know, what were the quirky things about them or whatever. Yeah. Because you can easily say things in a humorous way yeah. but people know, you know. Otherwise, you know, because sometimes when when people are all sitting there and they're all going, yeah, but what about – you know, the mm. fact that he was really, you know, opinionated and yeah. talked over people and all that sort of stuff, you know. Whereas I would just say something like, well, you would all know that Bob wanted, he was willing to share his opinions with you, whether you <laughs> wanted to hear them or not. And everybody yeah. would laugh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they go, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. a bombastic yeah. sod, you know. Yeah. But you're just coming in the back door a little bit and explaining it. This and just way with humour. Yeah. And, you know, you can, you know, I, I remember a man who was really, really mean. He was so mean that he got a homeopath to go to his home because he was an old age pensioner and he couldn't afford anything and he couldn't do anything. And then the homeopath gets there and it's actually his cat that was sick <laughs> and he wanted him to fix the cat, but he wouldn't take it to the vet because they're too expensive. Yeah, forget the homeopath. And so the homeopath charged him nothing and came and looked at the, the cat. And I just, I just told that story and I said what the homeopathic, homeopath didn't realise was that this was a man who recycled kitty litter for months at a time, you know, and so everybody laughed yeah. but the message got across, yeah. you know. So I think, you know, the most important thing is in funerals is for it to be authentic yeah, because it has if to it's be. not... Yeah. Yeah. Everybody sits there going, yeah, but what about, you know, it's, yeah. it's like no when... Point, yeah, no point saying stuff that isn't related to them. Yeah. You know. Like and it's it's like when someone takes their own life. Yeah. I, I don't like the word suicide. Yeah. They chose to take their own life. That's yeah. that's the way I approach it. And, you know, and I say to families, how do you want to approach this? You know, uh, and they go, oh, we don't want to talk about it. And I go, okay, so... You know, do people know how he died? Yes. Okay, so let's get the elephant out of the room because otherwise they're sitting there waiting for the eulogy yeah. to finish, yeah. still waiting for something for to what happen. Happened. Yeah. You know, and a bit later I'm going to share with you a verse that I often use for that. But um, you know, the the important part is is that you 
get the elephant out of the room, no matter what's happened, you know, mm. just just say it. Just, you know, you don't have to say it. In He chose to end his life. Yeah. There's nothing hurtful in that. Yeah. You don't say he committed suicide. No, like no. committed yeah, it's, it's being like, like law. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he chose to take his own life. It wasn't the choice that others would make for him. No. But, you know, sadly he couldn't see himself as the beautiful person that everybody else knew. Yeah. You know, and you can do it in a soft tone and manner with them rather than everybody sitting there going, oh, how are they going to talk about this? Yeah. What, what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah. You know, and... Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of reasons why people take their own life and, you know, we we tend to sort of think it's a really bad thing and you know, if you look back mm. at the Japanese, at the kamikaze pilots who, yeah. you know, that was an honour. Yeah, to, you take, know, their, to, to, to take their own yeah. life or to meet, to meet Haritari or whatever. Yeah. Um, that that was an honourable thing to do. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's just the devastation for everybody else yeah. that's the hard part, you know. Why, so. why do you reckon that death is so taboo? Oh, look, I think that, you know, we've grown up in a society that in during the war years in particular, um, there was so much death that I think it became sort of almost a let's not talk about it. Yeah. You know, it's like let's not talk about the war, let's not talk about death, you know. And I think yeah. that stayed. You know, my mother was a um, beautiful woman but she believed that she, there was no place at funerals for children, no place whatsoever. So um, one of our family friends is quite quite a well-known family in Melbourne and um, one of their family members died and I couldn't go to the funeral. My mother went to the funeral and this well-known person was about mm. 16 and when, when we got – after I came back, I was overseas and when I came back, uh, I asked how the funeral went. She said, oh, she said, it was terrible. She said, such and such was – just crying. He should not have been there. He's a child. Oh, wow. And I said, how old was he? And she said, 16. Yeah, well, now, no. like, no. Yeah. You know, and I said, Mum, I can't believe that you're saying that, you know. Mm. And, and, but I think that the reality is, is that it became sort of an adult thing to do. Yeah. So I'm very, very grateful to my aunt who died six months before my daughter did. Otherwise, the first funeral I would have gone to was my own child. That's it, yeah, yeah. And and I I am so grateful to my aunt. It's sort of, it's it's preparation for, for whatever will happen in the future. Not something that you wanted to go through, but at least you had an experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, any child can go to a funeral. Any child. Any yeah. age child can go to the funeral. The, the ones that are probably the more difficult are the six months to 18 months oh, to yeah. two years yeah. <laughs> where, you know, they can't sit still, they no. can't do anything no. like that. But as soon as a child is old enough to sit and listen to a story, most of the time yeah. they are fine. And I had one where all the grandkids were up the front making absolute ruckus yeah. and all I said was, wouldn't Julie have loved this? She loved nothing more than having her yeah, grandchildren around. Yeah. M- making noise. I remember you did one just recently for us, for a, for a very precious um, one, um, little girl, um, and she died tragically. And uh, you actually brought the service in with, um, uh, was it a verse or a poem? Story. In because, yeah, story of the... Dragonfly, dragonflies fly, to... And you water know, bugs to dragonflies. You know what? I swear for the next week... That's all we saw 
was dragonflies and butterflies, white ones in particular. Um, And it was actually on the end of that day when we came back, I left here at work and every set of traffic lights, a white butterfly would just fly straight past my, uh, my window. And I went, okay, so get to the next one, comes back. And then it would fly around my driver's side window. And I'm thinking that it was just amazing that whole storytelling that that the connection with that meant something to me so imagine all the other people that were at that funeral next time they see a dragonfly or next time they see a butterfly or they see something else they're going to think of her absolutely and, and just, the story yeah. for those who are listening is Waterbugs to Dragonflies and it's by Doris Stickney. Yeah. And it's a beautiful story. See, I think that we should teach about death before it happens. Oh, for sure. Right? So yeah. I wrote a book in 2004 called What Happens When You Die? A Child's Questions Answered. Yeah. And the reason that I did that was because I wanted people to teach, teach children that death is a normal part of life. Yeah. You know, and and that they have questions. The problem is that we wait until somebody dies Mm. and then we have to explain when the child's really upset. Yeah. You know, so I wrote this book in the hope that people would buy it before someone died and just tell the story so they knew what happened. Yeah. And then they could, you know, when it happens to them, they can deal with their emotions, not also learning something new. I think you've experienced it too or you would have probably done more of of this than probably me but you know when you go and see a family and you say so how did you explain it to your child was it you know grandma's just fallen asleep which you know you think about that well normally when you go to sleep you wake up Mm. or she's gone on a holiday or she you know like how how have you found that over your career how those stories have they all been fairly similar do you think or or do you think more people are starting now to tell tell it how it really is? I wish we did because yeah. to a child, the word dead, dying and death means nothing. No, it's true. It's just a word. Yeah. We're yeah. the ones that associate it with loss and pain and yeah. all that sort of stuff, you know. So um, I think that, you know, we just have to be honest and we have to say, um, you know, such and such has died and that means that they can't, you know, they're not going to be here anymore, they're not going to be alive. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, when you say going to heaven, um, going to heaven to a child is no different than going to McDonald's. You come home. Yeah. So it's really important that they get told honestly of what happens, that this is what we have, we have a funeral. And that's that's what I wrote in my book. So what happens next and you know, what's a viewing and all those sorts mm. of things so that, you know, any child, you know, school child age can can read it. Um, and, you know, but I say to parents, read it beforehand because you have to be comfortable yeah. with the questions that they're going to ask, you know. That's, that's the whole thing. But we shield them from it, you know. Um, often I'll get there when it's been a tragedy and the children have all gone. They've all been taken to a park. That's and getting right. ice yeah. creams yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Let them be there. Let them be in the corner just drawing whatever, whatever. Yeah. A child grieves differently to an adult, so a child goes in and out of grief very quickly. Yeah. So one moment they'll be bawling their eyes out and the next moment they'll be saying, can we go to Macca's and get an ice cream? <laughs> you know, and, and we struggle yeah, so with that. True. 
Yeah. We struggle with that because, you know, how can they be so upset one minute? Yeah. and then, But that's child. That's childhood. That's yeah. what childhood is. We, you know, we have moments mm-hmm. all the time. So, you know, but I say to families, look, if, if the child is old enough to listen to a story, let them come. Because usually just the ambiance and, and thing mm. kind of makes them a bit in awe. Yeah. And so they tend to sit there and just listen. Yeah. The idea is not to get children to sit next to one another. No. That's when they no, will yeah. think. But if you have adults between them, they will normally sit there no problem at all. Yeah. So, you know, as we saw in yeah. in that circumstance. So, you know, children, you know, three years old, yeah. you know, sitting there because they were all in awe of everything that was going on around them. So, um, but it's it's a really, you know, it's a tricky area and, mm. and it's an area and it's only tricky because we're the ones that aren't comfortable in it. So, yeah. so when when my son was little, he's forty two now. So, but when he was little, I explained death to him when I killed a spider, and we got a matchbox and we put <laughs> the spider inside the matchbox, and I explained that we're going to put it in the earth now, yeah, and and it is going to stay there permanently, <laughs> and it ain't and, coming out. And 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 if there is this place called heaven where dead things go, I hope it doesn't go there because I want to go there. And so yeah. I don't want the spider to be there as yeah. well, you know. So, but generally that's yeah. that's the way I explain it. So get the matchbox and uh, yeah. something dead and, and bury it and, you know, because most people will have their grandparents or a pet. Yeah. Or, you know, these are fantastic learning opportunities. Mm. But often with a pet what happens is the parents go out two days later and get another one. <laughs> you know, so the child yeah. then kind of has this divided loyalty between, well, that was my my yeah. dog all my life so and now, now I've got this new life. puppy but, you know, it's not the same. No. So we need to get comfortable. We need to get comfortable with each other, talking yeah. about death, talking yeah. about the fact that, you know, what what have you got planned? What, you know, how do you see your demise? Everybody plans for their retirement. Nobody plans for their no, death. <laughs> no, no, that's so true. And I, I put a question out to social media, I think it was on, yeah, on TikTok in regards to, if anyone had the opportunity of knowing when they were going to pass or how they were going to pass. And a majority of people, it took them a little while to sort of think about it because no one, you don't ever question that. Like, no. you know, if I knew when I was going to die, what would you do? Or how you died, like oh, anytime you get chest pain, you go, oh, I think it's now. I think it's now. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. No, it might have been might have been the Indian that I just ate, you know. <laughs> I've got, got heartburn. Um but, I mean, even to the level of cremation and burial. Absolutely. Like, do you know what mum wants? No, I have no idea. Well, you better you better find out because imagine doing a burial when mum didn't want to have this earth there and or the other one was that they don't like fire. So, you know, and having to live with that and finding a will or something later on that says under no circumstances do you cremate me, um, you know, I think that's that's the big thing when it comes to I, – I'm probably I'm probably finding that it's probably 80, 80% now cremation yes. and the 20% is burial, yeah. um, you know. Apart uh, from the fact that burial is so expensive. Oh, that uh, – yeah. It's yeah. just it's just crazy. Yeah. But um, my, my best friend – wants to be buried yeah. and her husband died and he would want to be cremated. Right. So they've actually got – they've interred his ashes into what will be her grave 
and you know so there was a compromise that's that's what you can do yeah. like you know people kind of think that you you, you suck with no options but there how are would, plenty of ways around it would you how would you feel comfortable in knowing that 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 block of land that plot is where you're going to be how would you see that now do you find that as a comfortable thing oh I, I do yeah but but i've got strict instructions <laughs> with mine yeah. you see um my husband has to die before me because otherwise <laughs> he will wear his shirts for two days and i banned that when i meet yeah. him yeah. so yeah. um so he he understands that he has to die even though he's five years younger than yeah. me yeah. this is the rules Rule. right you know? <laughs> um and um, then his ashes are going to be kept and then when, when I die, his ashes are going to be put in with me and I, he's going to go around again. Right. Right. And then our combined ashes are going to go into my daughter's grave. Oh, wow. Because he yep. can't go in there. He's nothing to her. No. Right. No. You know, so he has to wait until I go. Yeah. Now, if I go first, my ashes will be put in there and he said he'll just go in the rubbish bin. He's quite comfortable <laughs> with that. Right. So, you know, this is, this yeah. is the plan, you know, but we... Um, but that that brings a really interesting point about who actually owns the grave. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a whole topic on its own. Yeah, so definitely. of how of how things happen like that. But it's it's um, I'm you know I've picked my songs. You know I've you know mm. I'm I'm having once before I go. Yeah. Um, that's from Hugh Jackman singing at. Uh, the boy from Oz, yep. and it says once before I go, I want you to know I'd do it all again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you know that's a whole topic in yeah, itself. Yeah, Funeral songs is just yeah. really, oh, yeah. really, yeah. really, really um, amazing. And it's one of the ones when I'm training funeral celebrants, or when I was training funeral celebrants, it was one of the ones that you know really started to make them think about you know how powerful songs are and what their messages are. And, you know, mm. there's some beautiful songs out there that are just, just amazing. But the only thing is, is from once you listen to that song, it'll never have the same connection to uh, but what that's it was where, before. That's where, that's where but it that's should be. Yeah, it should, yeah, It definitely. should be that don't let it remind you of the sadness of the funeral. No, no. Let it remind you of the person. Yeah. But the one song, if I could get one song banned from every possible <laughs> funeral, it would have to be Angel. Yeah. You know, because it is, you know, I, I say to people, have you listened to the story? Oh, yes, in the arms of the angels, I will fly away. What's the rest of the song about? <laughs> I have no idea. It is the yeah. song about a prostitute who wants to take her own life in a hotel room. So from this stark, lonely hotel room and the mm. endlessness that I feel. And it's, I, you know, and I'm pulled from the wreckage and there's yeah. vultures and thieves yeah. at my back. Is that your mum? No. 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 <laughs> you know, but they all they hear, yeah, it it's like time to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye is the same. If you listen to the the English words <laughs> of that, you would never use it in a funeral. No. no. You know, but because it's in Italian and then it says time to say, say goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> so beautifully, everybody has it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it, it brings a whole a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Look, we could talk for hours, you know, <laughs> you and me together, like that's just fatal. What, what do you think, I mean, you've written a lot of verses and poetry over your career. What do you find inspires you to do that? I personally don't think that I write them. I think that I get given the words to write them. Yeah. 
because sometimes I'll look at them and go, <laughs> no, oh, that's me. pretty bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> Better keep um, that. <laughs> I just, you know, like, you know, so I've, I've published uh, two books of yeah. uh, funeral poetry and verses. And I've published a book of beginnings and endings, so um, which open and close a, a funeral. Um, but it's it's I just sit there and let the words come to me, and I I can't remember them. And in fact, no. when I was training some funeral celebrants over in Perth, um, I was talking about this. You know, bloke fun bloke poetry is very hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And and in Perth, it's you know it's a very male dominated city. Yeah. You know they had a lot of FIFO workers and all that sort of stuff. And so I started saying, oh, you know, I've, I've got this poem that I wrote, and it's just a knock around bloke with a heart of gold. You kept us amused with the stories you told. You bent the rules occasionally, but nothing you did break. Da, da, I can't remember the rest. And they all joined in and said it off <laughs> by heart. And I'm like, that's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I wrote it. I can't remember it. And they're all, they finish the whole thing. Yeah. Because they use it so often because there's so few poems yeah. about men and, yeah. you know, particularly those that are maybe, you know, the break the rules point. a yeah, bit and all right. that sort yeah. of stuff, you yeah. know. And I was just, I was blown away. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, that, that, yeah. they're talking about me. Yeah. It's like the first time you see a book in a, in a shop, I saw it <laughs> in Darwin. And I'm like, Oh my god! Yeah. This book is in the shelf in Darwin. <laughs> like you know, I, I had imagined that it was in my suburbs. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Not nationally no, you know, no, or no. New Zealand. No, you know, like right. it was yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. You know, no, so. that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So you've got you've got a verse or a poem there that you'd like to share. I oh, have. Yeah. So so this um this poem is called the brightest star and and I wrote it for someone who took their own life and it was it was a tragic circumstance but I just kind of thought I just wanted to give the message that I thought that they may have been trying to say. So it says, with no dark clouds surrounding me I can only see sunshine ahead. Although I will miss you so terribly I do regret what has been left unsaid. If I could have said goodbye to all of you especially those I love so much I would have but I felt I had to leave without a loved one's touch. You may never understand my reasons, but for me, I really had to go. What breaks my heart is that I may have hurt you. I beg that this isn't so. I loved you all beyond limits. There are not enough words to say, but I get that I'm not there, so it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Yet the words I leave you with now are the ones that mean the most, you see. I ask you to to forgive what I've done. This is really important to me. Live your lives to the full. Look after my family, I beg you, from afar. Then look to the night sky. I'll be there shining from a star. I'll be the biggest and brightest thing in the sky. I'll shine for you, you'll see for sure. So when the heartache comes, just go for a walk. I'll be right outside your door. My light and my love will never dim. On this you can always rely. No matter where you are in the world, you'll see me as the brightest star in the sky. Oh, that is that is a very, very beautiful verse, and um, and for those people that have ever lost anyone from them taking their own life, and to be able to reflect back on that, that is a beautiful, a beautiful uh, verse there, definitely. Um, wow, <laughs> yeah. Chris, you're lost for words. That I is am. not you. I, I know. <laughs> so I don't know what else to say. Uh, maybe some crickets. 
It's very unusual. But, yeah, no, that is absolutely brilliant. Um, like Robin said, we could probably talk for hours and days and days and days on on um, what it's like to to be in a role of being a funeral celebrant plus all the other things that you do. And we are absolutely, truly um, blessed to be able to be a part of people's lives, even if it's only for a very short period of time. Um, and I often say to a lot of my families is, you know, if I'm conducting a service is, Think about how, you know, blessed and honoured we were to be a part of that person's life and same back to them. You know, when we're born, we have no idea of where our direction's going to be, who we're going to meet, who we're going to... Um, I mean, it's already planned out, I guess, in, in, in a sense. But on the other side, it's... We, we, make, we make things how we want it to be too. You have that... You have that ability to make change. You have choice. You have choices. David Kessler wrote a beautiful mm. thing with. He wrote a book with um, Elizabeth Kubler Ross, yeah. and in it he Say says that five times. He said, "We're not the same to each person we love, yeah. each person we meet, each person we know, and each person we briefly meet." Yeah, and that is true. Oh, it is. Like yeah. we all, we are all like you are, Chris. To me, the funeral director, the yeah. the celebrant, the whatever. Yeah. Um, but you're somebody completely different to your family. Yeah. And so we all know people, and that's why funerals are really important. People think that you know, oh, these days you just go and get cremated and then have a get together afterwards. No. Funerals are a really important yeah. part so you of gotta, the grieving you've process. You've got to celebrate people's lives. You yeah. can either have a funeral that's morbid and dull and boring, or you celebrate it. Yeah. You know, and be it if they've only been here for two minutes or 150 years, it doesn't matter. We still give our loved ones the same care, be it if they're early life or older life. Yeah. Um, it's just a different time frame that you're working with, that's and right. and the the period of time that yeah that they've been exposed to to all of us. Um, so, you know, I know over my 23 years of being in the industry. Um, you know, the amount of funerals you've done for me and our families and the feedback and everything else like that has been, um, yeah, I don't have enough words to describe it. Um, but, you know, that's – and to say we're privileged to have known you, you know, I'm not saying that you're dead now, but <laughs> that sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? And I've now, got mine planned. And now you're gone. No, no, I've got mine planned. I've told my husband I want rent crowd. Yeah. I want – I want <laughs> – Wailing women. I want yeah, everything. Yeah. You know, maybe bring, maybe wailing bring men. It out. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, as I say to families when uh, uh, when I'm going, I say in the nicest way. I hope I don't see you again. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's you know people. People are actually dying to meet me. I know That's that. Right. You know, we've heard all those jokes before. Oh, and before. I didn't even have the drum. I've got that here somewhere. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. You just uh, say, look, I hope I don't uh, see you again go. because I know that it's going to be sad. Yeah. You know, like I know oh, it that it's so going to be a sad occasion. It's so true. And, I, you know, I've got a funeral family that I've done seven funerals for Holy and crap. five of them were over 90. Yeah. Um, but when they got to the next generation... 
And, you know, I started doing The Next Generation. That was kind of like, no, I've had it. No, I don't, I don't want to do this no, with you anymore. And, no. and one, of the, one of the people said, oh, it wouldn't be a family funeral without you. Oh, and yeah, I thought, yeah. you know, how privileged yeah. oh, are definitely, we? Definitely. How privileged are yeah. we? You're in, the, you're in the back, you're there, but they know that you're there. And yeah. that's, that's the thing. Um, that's what I, I find about our role that we play as funeral directors and celebrants is, is the, how warm the reception is when we go out and see that family again and, oh, yeah. and just the conversations and the, there's no, no pompous ceremony. It's and I, I love doing the spouse or whatever because you remember them. That's right. Describing yeah. Yeah. their loved one to you, and you remember their yeah. their expressions and, and stuff now, like that. It's and now you, yeah, like we said, the honour and privilege to be able to do that for them. So, yeah. no. So one of the um, families who who requested me, I was going overseas. Yeah. And um, how inconvenient. They said, <laughs> they said. Uh, you know, she she's going to be away for a while and um, the, the lady said, just put me on ice until <laughs> she gets back. <laughs> yeah, I'll wait. So, um, she lasted another year. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I think that'll do us for today. Um, and I'd like to thank Robin uh, for coming in and telling us a little bit about your role um, that you play as a funeral celebrant. So thank you very much for that. You're welcome. And um, we look forward to hopefully more podcasts with you down down the track. Uh, there'd be plenty more t- topics that we could, we could be here for years. Oh, we um, could. <laughs> <laughs> Until we're old and grey. Hang on, we already are. <laughs> I'll go get the new lax. The next ad is for new lax. <laughs> so. Nah, perfect. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. And uh, for everyone that's listened, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, go and check out our socials, uh, Brember Family Funerals, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and on TikTok. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, see you next time. Thank you very much. <laughs>